It's always soccer in Philadelphia on a Thursday night, even when the Philadelphia Eagles are playing, because let's be honest, ain't nobody got time for preseason game Nobody watching that bullshit, dog. Kevin Kincaid, Baxter the Dog, is in the studio, and joining me, a very special guest, uh, somebody who I used to work with back in the day at PhiladelphiaUnion.com, somebody who I don't know how I haven't had him on the program yet. Yeah, it's about time. And somebody who I thought ghosted me two weeks ago, but yeah. we found out that, we that, was, talk about that, that, that was not your, the... Yeah, your phone game is <laughs> whack, bro. Kareeth Gabriel, everybody. From What's going Philly on, everybody? Good Kareeth talk Gabriel. To so let's, uh, let's address the elephant in the room. <laughs> um, you, I texted you, and I got some stuff back originally. And then I texted you something else. Like, are you, I said, like, are you coming over and do this or not? And I didn't well, get shit. And I thought you were being an asshole. And well, I, had to talk, call you, I had to call you out on Twitter. And you then did. You, and that's then, the part I'm <laughs> mad about. Hey, all right. So my thing is, if you're going to call me out, right, text me back. Don't hit me up on Twitter in front of my almost 3,000 somehow followers. No, but like, I called you. I, ca- I did call you. I called you, too. And I, you had a missed phone call. Did you miss the phone I call? I didn't see a phone call. <laughs> See, it's the Android to, I, it's the Android to iOS, man. That Android game is whack, bro. So let me ask you a serious question. Yeah, yeah. Um, why does that happen anyway? It's like, weird. Why right? does, so your shit, when I send you, I'm on Android. When I send you something, it shows up green. Yeah. But when you get something from another iPhone, it's jabroni, it's blue. Right. Okay. So, okay. Like, so like, I'm a, even if you don't have service, right, if you have an iPhone and you text someone with an iPhone and they have Wi-Fi, they will get the message, it's a message, so it's a blue. Yeah. Obsessively, Apple makes it impossible for you to not receive messages as long as you have some sort of connectivity, whether it's Wi-Fi or data or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Android game, you got to have like data and whatever else even to send a message. So listen, I saw your original message. I responded. I was dope. Yeah. I was about it, but I couldn't do it. Hit you back. You never got that. So your your issue now with me, yours with Samsung or Boost Mobile or whatever the fuck you got, bro. But that's not me. I didn't I didn't mess it up. Then, but then to put me on blast in front of all your followers on Twitter. Yeah. All right, Kev. I, that was only extreme measures, that. you know. I only did that after I couldn't get through on the phone. So listen, we this is a podcast. Um, since you've never been on the podcast before, yep. it's a I just I would describe it as a solutions oriented podcast. We're always trying to move things forward. Yeah. We're always trying to find a way to resolve issues. So I think in order to make sure this doesn't happen again, you're just gonna have to get an Android. I'll put you on my Slack channel. How's that? <laughs> we can <laughs> slack each just, other. Just two of us. We'll <laughs> be the only Me and you on Slack. <laughs> just so we can communicate to make sure I'm not getting the green the green exactly. bars on the fucking. I'll send you thing. some gifts to to let you know that I'm all right and good to go. God. So listen, um Kareth and I go back twenty ten, twenty eleven or something like that, because you were so when I started at PhiladelphiaUnion.com in twenty ten, you were on the beat for the daily news mm-hmm. at the time. And this was in the glory days of Peter Novak and um, Chris Vito was still on the beat. I miss um, Chris Vito. Remember, the, remember mm-hmm. our whole front row? It was me, you, Tanner Walt, Chris mm-hmm. Vito, Dave Zetlin at, over at uh, MLS.com. Sorry. Shane Evans was Shane there, Evans for, was there a, for a year. As, exactly. Uh, uh, Vito Ryan, with the, with the, with the uh, Delco Times. Delco Times. Ryan Bright was in there. Ryan Bright that was, was there. That was the OG media crew. That yeah, was the OG, yeah. And then, so you, and then you and I worked together from 20... When did you start the team? Was it 2013? No, I started at 2012 when I became a flack. And then we <laughs> we were both flacks together. We were, we were flacks, man. For yeah. about two years, I think it was. Yeah. And the union laid my black ass off in... <laughs> January 2015, <laughs> and I was, you know, out, out, out in the cold. Like, listen, we're just going to give your job to somebody else and let you go, even though you dedicated your life to the squad. You don't yeah. mind, do you? But, hey, I'm not bitter. I'm Man, not bitter. I, uh, yeah, I remember that. And then Chris Winkler was just sort of like, what the fuck? What's know? happening because, right now? Like, he, they I'm just the man in charge? Well, they just sort of tossed him into the fire. Yeah, yeah and it was like, okay, congratulations. You've... You are promoted via subtraction of, of the other person. What I, listen, what I will say about then until now is it's a very different Philadelphia Union, right? I mean, the management's different. The ownership's different. Well, the ownership's the same. The management's very different. Yeah. But I think that's the one thing that I could say is, like, I, I joined the team, and we were both a part of that squad during a time where they were still figuring out what the fuck they were going to be as yeah. a front office. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, 
kudos to whatever it is now because it seems like it's working. The, the team's in first place. They managed to retain Jim Curtin, who honestly, I'm going to go out on a limb, not because I'm biased, but like because he's my boy. But like Jim Curtin deserves to prove himself and have given him the chance to prove it. Were you like of the mindset that all these years, like uh, you could never really make a correct evaluation on a guy when they weren't really spending money the talent level wasn't exactly wasn't what other teams he inherited a team that was comprised of players that entirely were not any guys he would have ever picked (laughs) he was given no money whatsoever to improve the team well nominal stuff right so Mm -hmm. i mean him and uh and chris albright who still to this day is the sporting director were you know tasked with figuring that all out but he was he inherited basically a team that wasn't his and wasn't the personnel that he needed to 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 run his plan so now that he has that i i mean i think the proof's in the pudding with how well this team is doing i mean if you would have told me after watching atlanta last year that this team would be better than atlanta in the standings anyway i'd have been like get the fuck out of here well isn't it um i asked dave was on the phone last week um and we always joke you know isn't it ironic how many shitty union teams that we covered over, over the years, <laughs> and then when, when, when we when we leave when we leave the beat, now they're good. The you know? Yeah, but it's... but the irony then, I'm kind of interested in this since since I had that discussion with Dave last week. Here's the discussion I'm interested in having. Do you is are you surprised or or what's your reaction been to? I I personally am kind of disappointed that the team's the best they've ever been this year. I feel like the media coverage is not what it was going to be because we had always sort of sat there and said okay all they got you know to get all these other people to pay attention all they got to do is win okay now they're winning yep. but still ain't shit happening i'm i literally so i i did a story uh, two weeks ago for philadelphiaweekly.com and the story that i did i literally just asked jim those hard questions and i said one of the questions yeah. that i asked him just keep that dumb thing up there man yep yeah i i one of the questions that, that i asked him i said listen i said you know you guys with your with your record should be all over the place in Philadelphia. Like everyone yeah, should yeah. know that you're in first place. Yeah. Whether it's a combination of media or marketing, no one could tell you who the fuck you played last week. So like yeah. as the coach of a team that's now proving yourself, how frustrating is that? And Jim was honest with me. He he literally said he was like, Look, like we understand that like we're not a part of the big four, so to speak, but yeah. like we deserve the recognition and whether or not the the, the harbinger there is that people aren't putting that story out or the fact that we play our games 20 miles outside the city. It's just a fucking killer, it's, man. It, it's, it, it kills it. Like, what, what, if this team, if this team honestly was in South Philly, when they demolished the Spectrum, they had a chance to put Town Energy Stadium or whatever the fuck it's called now right there. If they put that there, we wouldn't even be, even be having a conversation about their, their recognizability in the city because... Everyone would know where the stadium is. Everyone would know what the team's doing because they're right they're right next to the Phillies, Eagles, Flyers, and Sixers. Dude, it's just a travesty. Somebody texted me, somebody from the union who will, will remain anonymous, somebody from the union organization texted me after I did the story on uh, Crossing Broad on how the Fusion are getting yeah. their, their friggin' eSports arena read that. Uh, in South Philly, and they said, can you please keep hammering home how ridiculous this is that the <laughs> fucking video game team was going to be playing? And I'm not, like, poo-pooing eSports or whatever. Like no, I'm no, not I some, like, crusty that. old baby boomer, but the fact is, like, come on, man, we got the video game team's going to play in Philly too, but the but union's still on the outside looking in. Like, furthermore... The geography is what it is. It's been a disaster from day one. Right. Um, but I think now, like, I'm disappointed because I see, like, layers now of excuses being piled on. For example, I'll give you this. Like, Jim says the team's winning. Right. We at least deserve the recognition, you know. And then when you say that to people, you say, well, you can't shit on the union because they're in first place now. They and they say, oh, well, if I can't shit on them, I'm going to come up with some other bullshit to, right. to disenfranchise them. I'm going to yeah. say, oh, they don't play in Philly. As if that fucking matters, because the 49ers play in Santa Clara. The yeah, New York yeah. Giants don't play in New York. We've the been, LA we've been Galaxy around the with freaking uh, Zlatan plays in Carson, plays in Carson. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so that's bullshit. We know that's bullshit. Right. But then they just take like every other like f- excuse they can find, and they can say, well, it's like for little kids, or they haven't been around long enough, or like it's no, or they just say, well, it's never going to catch on here. And like I, you know, I got like these like crusty Flyers fans and stuff like that who are just like. 
this is what it is. This is what it's always going to be. We're trying to penetrate like the most parochial friggin' old yeah. school, old, old school. Market, I always man. find that the people who shit on soccer are the people who have zero athletic ability whatsoever. Anyway, <laughs> a, a guy that couldn't even do like fall over, kick a soccer. Yeah, but fall over in her face. They try to try to kick a soccer ball, much less try to play soccer. So I take very little stock in people shitting on soccer because they don't know what the fuck they're talking about, frankly. What, <laughs> what, what frustrates me, though, is the fact that this team had a chance to indoctrinate relevance, right? Yeah. By virtue of residing in Philly versus residing in Chester. Mm-hmm. And you chose free land over easy market. It, listen, yeah. I worked. I worked for that team for three and a half years. I know how hard that front office worked yeah. day in and day out when that team was straight garbage mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. make sure that they had a presence in Philadelphia. That's a good and that's a good storyline too because I don't think I think people felt like there was this ineptitude from top to bottom no, when it really when it really it really wasn't. There's was a lot of good. You had sales guys like making something. dog shit, making a hundred calls a day trying to get people to buy tickets. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. had our marketing team. You know, sitting in rooms, thinking of like gimmicks to make sure that like the union's name was on your mind. Yeah, so, we're gonna get like uh, Danny Bonaduce to go, come jump in the river. Exactly. Like, yeah, let's get yeah. yeah, let's let's come up with a fucking ri- ridiculous mascot to to grow your attention, or mm-hmm. Danny Bonaduce, or I forget who else we had one time that was just like, why are we even doing this? But it was it was just to gain relevance. I mean, you're right? trying to do anything you can. Yeah, anything you can. The 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 thing now though is that what. What's frustrating is to your point from earlier yeah. is it's a media thing too. So, you know, John Tannenwald has been with the beat since the beginning. John Tannenwald started with the union before I started with the union back in t- like 2009. I mean, he knew yeah. a lot of stuff that was happening even before everyone else. But did. this is so it's, like for, for quick clarity too. Yeah. like John was doing a lot of that on his own. All like of, he was not, all like almost all of it on his own because he was not technically like he did not technically become like the quote unquote Philadelphia Union beat reporter mm-hmm. until like a couple of years ago, maybe exactly. like two years ago, because he had always been a desk guy doing Eagles and all the other sort of bullshit that all of us did. Well, he was a desk guy the, at Philly.com. So yeah, yeah. the union was honestly probably one of his like tertiary like responsibilities. Yeah, you know, his yeah. job was to get stuff up on the web. But to, to our benefit and everybody's benefit, really, he didn't treat it like a tertiary no. kind of thing. He, he made it into a full-time kind of thing or else, you know, they probably would have thrown some like jabroni intern on the thing. They put, would have put some fucking Fredo on there. You know? uh, absolutely. So I don't doubt it, but we were all, do- <laughs> but we were all <laughs> doing that kind of, all doing that kind of, thing you know i mean it was all like kind of a tertiary thing for us but now the team's as good as they've ever been yeah. 10 years and now you got i'm gonna write down a list we're gonna do an exercise we always like to do an exercise on the program right so, so if so if, JT, jt is with the inquire right? inquire you got you got the george with the Delco Delco Times. Times, but and honestly but i always he, think that that's your that's your that's your a and your a1 reporters for that b right now. so now so but then you had Matt and Dave were doing the athletic, and the they, athletic cut that, they, they and they bring Pablo out. in to do it. So I'm going to write Pablo Mauer down. Pablo I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Yeah. I'm going to put an asterisk on him because he's not. He doesn't live here, and he's not, he doesn't. You got uh, what's his name? Joe Tansy. Joe, Joe right. for Pro Soccer USA. Yep. Um, you and got for the, all their faults. I mean, I would I would put Joe in the same ring as like a. Joe Joe's Tansy. been doing a really good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah Joe's job. been doing a really good job. Joe Tansy and uh, what's the other guy's name? Uh, Sean. Sean Brace. Sean Brace. Yeah, yeah. Those two guys are doing that. That's a labor who's of love. Who's doing his own radio. Doing who's who's going to do his own radio show now, exactly. uh, starting this gambling thing, starting up. So you got like Joe and Sean. You got Pablo, um, DeGeorge, JT, guys, other guys we've had on the, the program. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt Ralph from Brotherly Game. Peter Andrews, Mike Cervetio, the guys who, who are still doing PSP. You yeah. know, Orlandini's doing his podcast. But uh, anything on NBC Sports Philadelphia? No. Nope. They completely axed it. Yep. You know, the broadcast went from NBC Sports Philadelphia to my, my PHL, PHL 17. Ain't nobody yeah. watching PHL 17. Yeah. I mean, I don't, it, it's, listen, I understand what, what they're doing. They're realized the, the Philadelphia media market, the, okay. The, the, the honeymoon has been over, right? Mm-hmm. So like getting on, getting on Comcast Sportsnet, getting your games, you know, as a highlight feature on NBC 10, those days are gone. I mean, people realize, like, look, like, you are of a low tier and a very high tier market, and this is where you need to reside. So the fact that it's become niche was to be expected, I think. I just don't think that – I think that the guys who are niche need to be doing a better job of 
promoting this team and putting the stories out there that people want to read and want to pick up. So you'll you'll back me up on this, but I swear to God, and I'm not just saying this because like I was on the beat for for however many years, but there was a time in 2011 when the Sixers were like just mucking through another bullshit season. Yeah. This was before the lockout shortened season with Doug Collins, where they went right. to the playoffs yeah. and they beat the Bulls without Derrick Rose and. Um, Somebody yeah, else got injured. 2011, 2012? 2011, 2012, right. So I swear to God that the Philadelphia Union had more interest and had more momentum and more popularity at that point in time than the Sixers did. Mm-hmm. People were still high on the Flyers because they were coming off the Stanley Cup run. But I swear to God, and I was I will like take this to the friggin' grave as if anybody gives a shit, but the Union were like very close to like I think being that fourth team yeah, back then, you know, th- that, and then the Novak shit in 2012 yeah. turned into John coming in, John Hackworth. And then it kind of like flattened it's out really, from there. You know, the, the year that the union made the playoffs and lost in the first round to Houston, I will honestly say it was probably the best ride in soccer. I had, I had had because mm-hmm. everyone, it, well, at least it felt like everyone was into the team. It was fun, man. Dude, yeah, I man. remember bits and pieces of 2011 like it was yesterday. I don't know if that's because that was my first full year on the beat because mm-hmm. I came in halfway through 2010 or just because it was all still fresh and new at that moment. But I remember like 4-4 with New England. I remember 6-2 in Toronto. Yeah. You know, I remember the Colorado home game was like the only game they lost at home that year. All of that is still like fresh. The two going off and beating Toronto for us to – or for the Union to clinch. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, when they clinched at home with Toronto. Yeah, Yeah, it was phenomenal. So it's a shame that the media coverage, with the teams going forward, and then the media is kind of backwards on it. But it's also kind of a product of the talents. I mean, the Daily News, the Inquirer going another, through another round of their bullshit, as as you are well aware. But, um, so and that's the the media landscape that we're living in now. What do you so? What do you make of like just in general? What do you make of this team this year and how they're constructed and what they're doing? Like, do you, do you, do you see them having a chance in the playoffs? Yeah. So I went to a practice about two and a half weeks ago, and I I watched a pretty good portion of it. And the thing that I saw is that everyone's bought into to to what Jim is doing. Everyone's bought into what the training staff is trying to push, right? Mm-hmm. And this was the actually I went to to the practice before they played. DC and they and they beat DC pretty well. And one thing that I that I noticed when I talked to some of the players is that like the mood felt good. Everyone felt like they knew their role, they knew their responsibility, and that the goal was to not just make the playoffs but go pretty far in it. Mm-hmm. Listen, I don't know. It's Philadelphia. We've seen we've seen the Union do great before and completely shit the bed with the, like the last five weeks of the season. So. I'm of the mind where I don't, I don't I don't even get excited until like the last couple of games of the regular season until I get into it. But they've earned that because we've watched the story happen year after over year. And so over we've and over we've again. had this kind of back and forth thing on yeah. the podcast this year. It's been like you know, are you like glass half empty or glass half full? I've been more like probably probably glass half full. Me too. I, I would Me think too. over the season, which is funny because people say that I'm one of the more negative, like cynical um, union people podcasters right. or whatever. But I but I don't. I see a, I see a different team out there for sure. Now whether their their form continues or whether they they still struggle with the the left center back spot and other shit like that that remains to be seen, but I don't I don't I don't see them like I, I wouldn't see this team like falling off a cliff. Listen, you know, what I mean? I, they might come back down to earth a little bit, which they, which they already have if the Gold Cup. Yeah. But I don't see like this like fucking tailspin no, like no, we've no. seen in, in years. There's back. there's too many solid players on the pitch right now with like Prisboko, yeah. you have Jameer Montero, Medunian. Medunian's holding it Bedoya. down, man. Yeah. I mean, he's really like the catalyst. He he reminds me of what of what Noguera should have been for the the team. He could have been a long well, that it could have been a long term thing. Exactly. You know? yeah. Exactly. So um, he's a guy that I look to is like he's gonna be sort of that catalyst going into the playoffs. You know what I mean? And then <laughs> and then your forward crew, you know, guys are fit finally for the first time, yeah. guys are putting the balls in the back of the net. And the one thing that I'll say with Jim, even though it's predictable, even though you see it happening, the spark of bringing in a guy like El Senio in the 70th minute, 75th minute, is a game changer. I know, man. It's um, it's they've had they're deeper than they've ever been. Yeah, the bench looks good. Um, you when you and I play pickup, like we played a bunch of like Starfinder. We and balled a lot. I'm actually going tomorrow night if you want to go. 79. Man, I would love to. I'm going down to uh, the shore though. After right. I just trashed the Jersey Shore today on Crossing Broad. Nice. Um. But I only, for what? Like, What'd I you trash it for? It. Um, I wrote a. There's no sports going on, so I wrote a column about like uh, 
I think it was called uh, "There's Life Is Too Short to Go to the Same Jersey Shore Town." Every, every single, every single, t- every single summer for like forty years. It's don't true you, though, because you God. know you are, everybody knows some motherfucker who's been going down it's to wi- Wildwood. I know since like 1978. You know what's bad when you know what shore you shouldn't go to. What time of the year? Because of two things: one, the flies are going to eat your ass alive. <laughs> that's that's literally that's Brigantine, Ocean City, Sea Isle. Right, and you know where all the douchebags are going to be during the season. I don't want to see. Here's here's the thing: I, when I go down the shore, I go on vacation. I don't want to fucking see anybody from high school. All I don't want to see anybody all no. day. You go like if you're from Northeast Philly, you go down to to Wildwood. Yeah. You see all the same people it's from like Father people. Judge. It's yeah. like what the fuck is the point? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't want to see. Bo- it's so sad. I, I it's, <laughs> the best is when you roll into like a town like Sea Isle. And you're looking around, and it's all like PA plates. Like, oh, it's going to be all these motherfuckers that I already know here already, dog. Everybody's ha- everybody hangs their college flag from, <laughs> oh, the, totally. from the from the from the, from the oh, three foot um, from the three story uh, roof deck. Jersey. But no, I just I just said like, dude, you, um, we're we're so like friggin' like provincial as it is, you know, like everybody like you grew up going to whatever the fuck shore town like yeah. Sea Isle, and then you just go to Sea Isle because you always have, but nobody really thinks about why they're going down there. They only explanation, like I say, well, why do you always go to Sea Isle? They're like, oh, we just always have. You always have that's yeah. not an ex. That's not really an explanation, like. But the funny thing is, it's like they're not anti whatever. It's like this guy ain't going to Sea Isle because he thinks Ocean City is shit. It's shit. Like he just yeah. goes to Sea Isle because he only got. Or like he thinks, or there's just that stigma. Like, all right, all the rich white people go to Avalon. All the fucking, like you said, Northeast Philly <laughs> cats go true. to Wildwood. All yeah. the, you know, moms and dads go to Ocean City. Like that's just like what people think. So like they yeah. never. So basically, you pick wow. your short town based on whatever personality you are. Really, but this is the funny thing to tie it back to what we're saying. Like that mentality of like parochial territorial provincial like this is what we like it's yeah. philadelphia it's familiarity we ain't doing anything We're not changing yeah. you got flyers fans who have been sitting in the same seat since like not since the broad street bullies won it all in 75 right mm-hmm. uh that line of thinking that mentality is extrapolated to sports you know, yeah. people say oh, i don't give a fuck about soccer because i've always I, for me it was always about baseball and hockey really yeah, that's so, true it's totally we got true that bullshit but to, to get back to the point you and I play pick up a bunch like all over the place like Starfinder yeah. or whatever and you you play like left back like next to me a bunch um, you know in this in this formation the union play when they're playing diamond where they got two two midfielders who are sitting in and they don't play with wingers right um, I just think the most fascinating thing is watching like watching how they pin the, the fullbacks back how they keep the fullbacks back generally because Medunian and Slow as balls, uh, you know he's not gonna give you anything in transition. He doesn't have to defense. do anything. No, he, he just got to sit. He's got to play point guard. Yep. Ray Gaddis. Then we have this argument all the time. It's like, well, Ray Gaddis offers nothing going forward, right? We all know that. Yeah. Ray Gaddis is also being asked to stay back and shield because the defensive midfield. But that's is not what really he does, defender, though. You know? Ray will break up a play. Ray will distribute. Ray's your boy too, isn't he? Yeah, but I'm not. This isn't even a bias thing. This is me looking at him as a player. He will break up a play. He will distribute the ball within 10 or 15 yards. Ray's not the guy who's going to break up a it's play. It's a simple game. Run down the flank mm-hmm. and cross a beautiful ball in, in, into the box. That's yeah. just not his thing. Yeah. His job is to distribute to a Madunian, to a, uh, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, a Prisboko, to anyone. Yeah. yeah. To give them, them the ball and let them run forward with it. Like, that's, that's the thing. But to your point, though, I think. It's smart. Jim is letting the guys who have the position play their position, right? So if you're a fullback and you're playing a fullback line, keep your ass in the back. That's where we need you, especially yeah. if, we, if you have a guy uh, like a holding mid or even a, a defensive mid that can distribute as well as a Madunian can. Well, I like, too, how they say, how in the roster construction phase, it's like, look, they've said we're not going to go get, like, five million dollar striker right so what we can do is we'll strangle the midfield instead yeah. so we'll give you madunian at 500k we'll give you like montero like a 500k another like tam level kind of player yep bedoya we're gonna play 1.1 million and fabian we got him for a year but we'll pay him two point we'll whatever two, million. Right. so you put your two dps in the midfield right and they just sort of like suffocate possession and they win they have numeric advantages all over the field yeah. and so you plug in journeyman players and you fill out your 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 um, 
I don't want to say cheapness. I mean, your affordability at like left back and right back. Right. Uh, homegrown guys like Brendan Aronson and Austin Trussie, veteran dudes like Aurelian Who Collin, doing and then strike striker Aronson by committee. Aronson is probably one of the better players yeah. on, on, on the team. To be so maybe with. that's so maybe that's like the formula going forward. They say, mm-hmm. like, look, we we know like Sugarman's on record saying, you know, we ain't lining up with Atlanta United with our muskets and firing our muskets at them because their muskets are better than ours or whatever, right? Yeah. But you know, if you can if you can buff out the midfield and kind of like strangle the middle of the park and then, you know, find value in the margins elsewhere. Kai Wagner from third division, Germany, Jack Elliott from the fourth round of the draft. Right. Then maybe that's the bl- the blueprint going forward. And it's working so far. What? You know? Yeah. I think what Chris Albright, Jim, and, you know, a lot of these guys have done, they've recognized we're not, like, there's no more cash coming in. Like we no. got to work with, we got to work with what we're getting. No. And, and so what do we do? And I think that this, the f- current formula now, the current system now, is keeping guys happy. Because, like I said, I was there a few weeks ago, and no one seemed upset there was no about their role. There was no, no, yeah, like, there was no like, misfit toys on, on that. Like piece, stomping right? around. Or anything. Exactly. So I feel like guys understand their role. And you under, you only understand your role when two. When, when, actually, when, when, when one, the money is right. You're not upset about what you're getting paid. And two, you bought into the system. And I think that like those right now are the recipes for for success. One thing I always liked about Jay Sugarman as much as I would just rip him into oblivion like after, it's so after easy. I it's left fu- the team. The man landed his helicopter on the practice field. He's a <laughs> he's a a douche. But he's committed to soccer in Philadelphia. Well, I here's the thing. Like, like re, I mean, regardless, like we know that he doesn't have the money and the resources of other teams, but he's never like really tried to bullshit his way through no. that. Like he sat there and he said, "Look, like we can't line up with other teams in this way." Like, and then he talks about like, "Well, we're going to try to find an advantage here, try to find a, find an advantage here." You can't do as much. There's not really like. You know, strategically and tactically, you can't go out and like play some crazy formation or come up with some amazing new like marginal like tactic that's gonna like win you games necessarily. But you can do it in roster construction. Yeah, you can. So to his credit, they've at least tried to you know bring in an Ernst Tanner and and Chris kind of figuring out and Jim kind of figuring out. They say, okay, well we can we'll maximize the value of these positions and whatever with these positions. But I, I do at least. Appreciate that Jay wasn't bullshitting, you know, yeah. not like Nick standing up there and saying, I guess well, my issue, you know, yeah, well, Nick's the cat is a whole other beast that I can't even get into because I signed an NDA four years ago. <laughs> if I didn't believe me, this would be a whole different podcast. <laughs> well, whenever that, whenever that, whenever lasts, that runs out, you, let's, let, let's well, bring I'll, me back I'll on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I think that my gripe with Sugarman is that he's so close, right? He's so close. You telling me that Jay Sugarman doesn't have any homies. That would go in on an MLS franchise with him. I know, I know. Stop it. And he could have sold. He could have sold or sell it exactly. Cut your losses. Realize, like, you know, it's it's not cooking, and sell it. But he's a smart businessman. He's gonna keep it because he sees the value potential. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like bring another homie in so that you can have that that uh that uh spend to bring in a top player. I know. Top player right now, even in Chester puts more people in the seats and gives you a team that can contend in the Eastern Conference. Not that, agree, not that they're not now. I know, oh, they're in first place. They don't need that shit. Nah, they need that shit. I mean, well, I mean, it's you're making a good team better. I don't, you know, that's the most simple. Galaxy simple was shit till Beckham showed up. They were, and even when he showed up, his first couple teams they were, were sh- like, exactly shit. Um, so they did a town hall the other night, Ernst yeah. and uh, McDermott, and um, I just copied some notes from John's tweets. Mm-hmm. Um they want to add uh, in the winter transfer window, which sounds good. Uh, good. The tunnel club uh, is in construction down there. Is that the like that's going underneath the river? End? The river, end. yeah, something like that. Like it's something like it's uh, another some another ritzy, access to the club through like the river end. Yeah. Um, the Larimer, they said where we did the live podcast. They said is the first part of doing the campus, putting the campus together down there. I yeah. mean, that whole thing has just been a shit show of like. I mean, I guess, you know, when you and I started, there was all these individual just properties that were owned by like a million different people. Yeah. And so it was just a pain in the ass, like kind of cobbling all that together and putting these parcels of land together in a way that made them uh, sellable. 
you know, because it was like before, like it was like looking at a jigsaw puzzle, right? Like this guy owns this and this guy owns a thing next to it. Right. We can't link this stuff together. We can't package this together. Right. You know, and make it like a enticing to potential I buyers. Mean, you know? Listen, I, so if you look at what the union have now, yes, it's segmented, but it's quality. I mean, the power training complex with the with the with the two full size practice fields, the training center. I mean, it's a gorgeous looking facility. I mean, yeah, it, yeah, it, it's yeah. it's they did a lot with with that building that was right outside of the uh, of the power station, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So cool. all that looks good. I I'm of the mind that <laughs> that they should have done a lot of that stuff sooner. You know what I mean? It, it's just it took too long for that. I mean. The fact that there was still a gravel parking lot there in 2015, 2016 is an embarrassment. Well, we had that conversation on the podcast multiple times. I think I've dropped, I've referenced the skit like maybe at least like five times on the podcast before, yeah. but I'll do it again. You know, I always come back to the <laughs> to Chris Rock when he's talking about people wanting credit for shit they suppose. They suppose. To, you know? I suppose. Yeah. 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 We have practice fields. You're supposed to have practice fields. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was that kind of thing. It was like because yeah. they were saying, oh, well, we got this and we got that. But it took them five years of bullshit yeah, that's before what they finally got there. Which, yeah. And that's the time where they were losing interest of people who were, who were on board in 2011. Die hard. Who, who were diehards. And die that's all, all connected. Like, don't like, downplay this. Like, this is, like, that's all connected as to why the team still faces an uphill battle now. Because it was years of crapola that brought them down. And now it's got to be a gradual come, come back up. You know, where people are fully on board again. Because yep. the bullshit is too... There's a recency bullshit bias. The, the, and now they're trying to like say, yeah. okay, is this real? Is this real? Right. Or are we going to fall back to the same old habits? You know? So. The, the, the current management inherited an uphill battle for sure. I mean, it's one of those oh, yeah, things yeah. where, you know, fans felt like they were sold a bill of goods that didn't add up. Um, you know, things that the that were promised just flat out did not happen. I mean, technically, by everything that was said in 2010, the Chester waterfront should look like a freaking Taj Mahal right now. And it, it's it's I know it it's just, anything but it is what it is. And then, right. I, you know, the other thing, too, is I say, like, people always ask, like, well, what's the reality? What's the legitimacy of them ever moving into the city? And mm -hmm. I'm like, well, I mean, they're putting all this money into the campus, so first of all, they're not. But then now, it's like you got, like, Matt and the guys at the Larimer are putting roots down there. Right. So now if you pick up and you move, like, you're abandoning those people who are finally, like, buying finally into, buying into what you're so doing. So you can't... It's so a now, tough sell. Yeah. So now you're in it. I mean, like, it just... It's it's tough, but you just got to kind of see it out, or else you're just abandoning those people who are yeah. finally, like, putting down with you, Exactly. You know? And the city of Chester has embraced them. I mean, listen... We can get into the the tax cuts that the union, you know, that get yeah. as a result to the pilot deferential program. The pilot deferential program. Day, yeah. I mean, the fact that you only have to pay less than two hundred thousand dollars in taxes a year on a twelve million dollars stadium is pretty fucking impressive. Well, and Chester was yeah, it was like hundred twelve million dollars stadium. Yeah, Chester was miffed about that too because like they, you know, with the deferral or whatever, you know, they're not even getting. God, I, I when I sat down and talked to Nafis Nichols a couple of years ago, he mm -hmm. was saying like. You know the city's putting out a bunch for it too. Yeah. You know, and he like they were basically asserting that the union weren't paying their fair share of of the of the then deferred money or whatever. Well, they probably I was just were. like, well, yeah, I don't, I, you know, yeah. that's that. But it, the point being was that like I guess the takeaway from all the I, my brain like starts to melt when I start talking about numbers, but like uh, <laughs> the 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 takeaway was that like nobody was happy with what yeah. the hell was going on. You know, um, what else did they say? They tried to do Corey Burke loan deals, but they fell apart. Uh, they said they're making a loss on the TV broadcasts, and that's part of the reason why they, you know, why they can't send the crew on on the road. Right. Know? So it's still Tommy and JP sitting there looking off a damn monitor. You know, yeah. like it might as well be like you and me sitting here watching it on a stream and syncing it up like Merrill Reese. I mean, if you look at those you know? monitors, too, those monitors aren't aren't that much bigger than a than than you. you you know your computer monitor and you got yeah, i got like a 20 some inch two here, yeah. you know 60 year old guys who both wear glasses watching and trying to call a game on that it's just it's just not fair they're not happy with the field situation jay sugarman's not happy with the field situation i don't know what they can do at this point but get to the end of the season and then like redo it again yeah uh, that's that's gonna be a, like just a whole new rip up and put some aside the, the the thing about that well jay sugarman you put the stadium you know 
on an old toxic on a waste toxic dump. dump. <laughs> what did you think that the soil was gonna be good enough for you to grow great grass on? Like what the what the That's fuck? That's part of the reason why the land was so cheap. So cheap. It was, cheap. Like it was, a, it it was, was donated a, land. It was like, listen, if you clean this shit up, we'll give it to you, and you can build on it. And well, they were listen, like, cool. So I, I vaguely remember. I didn't really chase the story, but like uh, Buccini and Pollen owned that land. Yes. And then they ended up on the union no. ownership group. The EPA. Owned the land originally because it was a, um, a it was a super site. It, uh, it was a super. Is that what it's called? Like, like, yeah, like, like EPA super um, site or God, what the, yeah. super whatever site. No, that's those super sites are the turf fields where all the kids in yeah, Philly exactly. play. What the uh, hell super is fun? I want to say super, super fun. fun. Super fun. I don't know what it's called. Um, anyway, EPA yeah, owned yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. But Cheney Pullin, you're right. Got the land from the EPA. Yeah. And so then they owned it. EPA said, "You know what? If you clean this up, we will give you the land." We'll gift you the land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the land was gifted. And then they said, all right, let's go ahead and build a $112 million stadium on it. And that's what and they did. there it was. Yeah. And the, 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 the thing about that that is interesting is that right around the same time, the same time, was when Ed Snyder collapsed the Spectrum. And there was a window of time where they could have put the team right where Xfinity Live sits today. Yeah. And they... they, they they balked at it. It is called a super fund. Super, super fund, fund site. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, super fund sites are polluted locations in the United States requiring long-term blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Penn Park is a super fund site. Did you know that? Oh, was it really? Yeah. Oh. Yep. Well, I think everything in Philly was pretty much a super fun <laughs> yeah, site. Yeah, Philadelphia everything is up a here, super fun Everything site. up here on Aramingo yeah. Avenue is all like oh, factories it's all and factories. shit, man. So yeah. every time they dig up, there's lead underneath the Which is hilarious when you get all these yuppies who move into town and then they get all upset about, oh my God, there's lead. My kids are getting lead. Well, like, Bitch, you moved you? to the most industrial part of Philadelphia. <laughs> what did you expect was going to happen? You, you, you're, that, your house sits on land that was a factory you know 50 years ago of course your kids are breathing in shit that's going to kill them in 20 years uh last one on the um town hall what, what do you think about steel like what would you do with steel bethlehem steel since they're not playing in lehigh and they can't play up there because of the light situation, the situation I, I i i don't know i mean it's kind of the same situation you were in four or five years ago with with, with uh, harrisburg right where you you have this farm system, but you don't know, you don't have a really good place to let them play. Isn't that, dude, isn't that the ultimate irony? Because we were up there at the, or I was up there at the, at Harrisburg. At, 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 at the, well, it was dump. Remember yeah. That? And then Nick Sikiewicz said one of the main reasons that they decided to split with them because they were originally looking into solutions with Harrisburg to develop City Island and give them something that was legitimate. And the right. reason they, they pulled out of it and they did Bethlehem Steel instead was because of the stadium situation. Yeah. And now the fucking stadium situation ain't, ain't a thing ain't anymore. Ain't a thing anymore because City Island's great. But yeah. I don't know why, I don't know why they can't play, I don't know why they can't play up there during the day. Like, they yeah, don't have lights. Like the alternative, the, if the alternative, if you're telling me that my decisions are play during the day on a great field at like three o'clock, four o'clock, one o'clock, whatever, or don't have a fucking stadium at all and yeah. play on it in, in town, like to me, it's a no brainer. No I don't know why the USL would plus, be like hard ass. Plus, like I guess my thing too is that the union have multiple places where the steel could play. So you, you, you could play at Town Energy. You could play at the at, at um I'm sorry at uh, uh YSC where the academy teams play. They play out back. They have a field out back there that's perfect size. I, it, it just sounds like a bit of stubbornness. I would love for them to be able to do something down in Wilmington where the Sixers opened up the field. House. Yeah, here's, here's my here's my long term like tinfoil Alex Jones kind of like hat tinfoil hat kind of thing. Yeah, Buccini and Pollen also own the land where the Sixers field house was built. Yes. And they developed the Sixers field house. Um, and there's like soccer, like little fields down there for, for youth. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have loved for there to be some like collaboration. I kind of had this weird conspiracy theory when Josh Harris and David Blitzer sold their, it put crystal palace up for sale, say, well, come back and make an offer to Jay Sugarman, you know, um, because the Harris Blitzer sports and entertainment empire, HBSE is all like mid Atlantic Eastern seaboard kind yeah. of stuff. It's Prudential center, it's devils, uh, Sixers, you know, it would make a ton of sense for them to also own the union if they still wanted to have be involved in soccer, but they didn't want palace. And then you could tie in, you know, Bethlehem steel to the field house and the blue coats and the, um, the Wilmington would have two minor league teams yeah. that they could go and watch. You I, know? I think it all goes back to the fact that, that soccer is devalued. And so, yeah, all those things make sense. But that's a cost That's a cost for an ownership group that doesn't know 
if it'll translate into revenue for them. Yeah, this is just me spitballing, but like every time I play these scenarios out of my head, I'm like, oh, it sounds so good in my head. But of course, the practicality of like fucking. Yeah, it's just, another, I mean, I mean, now time. you're asking fans to get in their car and drive to Wilmington, right? Yeah. Now you're asking fans to 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 spend money on tolls, to spend money on all that stuff, and then go to the sure. games and spend money on concessions. So it's a tough ask, you know what I mean? Yeah, and you had some people who were, you know, who were in Bethlehem were pissed off now, you yeah, know. So of and it's like you know they don't have. You know, that reach up there either. All right, let's do one more exercise. Um, I have a note about millennials, and then we're going to take questions. All right. Um, so Russ and I started doing this new segment a couple um, shows ago, and I'm trying to do it every episode now. You know how when you watch, like, Arlo White or any of these British dudes that call a game? I love Arlo White. Call a game on, like, NBC Sports or, or whatever the hell you're watching, like ESPN Plus or something like that. Yep. The British always do this thing where when they say a, a word that ends in the letter A, they pronounce it like an ER. Like they have this funky ER. You know how they say like Paul Pogber. Paul Pogber. Or they say like uh, <laughs> Michael Essien representing the country of Goner. Like they always do this like thing. So every episode, that's like the dumbest thing in the world. We're going to do it anyway. Yeah. Every episode now I pick out five words that end in A and I pronounce them as if I'm British. Let's do so, it. Okay. So the first one... Um, if you if you went to Georgetown University, this is their mascot. The Hoyers. The Hoyers. <laughs> <laughs> the Georgetown Hoyers. Uh, my wife used to do this all the time. She would do um, stretching exercises uh, with a class. She does yogurts. Yogurt. <laughs> Um, this guy was a reporter for uh, KYW News Radio. Um, his last name is only four letters, and it ends in an A. Oh, uh, his first name's Steve. I don't know. Steve Tower. Steve Tower. That's right. <laughs> this might be the dumbest segment I've ever well done. Played. Um, no, good. She's a singer, and uh, she wore a meat dr- the meat dress to the oh, uh, uh, Lady Gaga. <laughs> out of control right now. All right, uh, this is the last one because we want to do five of them because it yeah. gets really stupid really fast. Um, uh, Shamu was one of these. He was a whale? A whaler? But what kind of, uh, what kind of, the killer whale oh, is the orca? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that's awesome. Orca. All right, so that was this, uh, this week's episode of Words That End in the Letter A. Um, one more thing I wanted to point out. I couldn't let you come on the podcast without shouting out our, our favorite movie of all time. Yep. Half-Baked. Let's and, uh, go. I think I think like honestly one of the worst things about millennials these days is that they just don't like understand um like old like good movie references, yeah, you know? I I have a couple interns that I'll I'll start seeing movie lines of work and look at me like 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 I have two heads and it's like <laughs> how have you not seen that movie? It's only fifteen <laughs> years old. Like fuck you, I'm not old. You know what I mean? I'm not old. So you should know that movie. But they're like, I've seen that before. I know. I like uh you know, I do, um, I could do the whole rap right now. It's, um, uh, this one's called Samson gets me lifted. Oh my God. Come by, on. By who? Uh, by my main man. Who? Sure. Smoke a lot. So it goes like this. Um, when I want, I, I want to talk to Samson. Samson. Fly me to the moon, moon like, like that, that bitch. Alice, Alice crammed it. Cause it's, it's hard being black, black and gifted. gifted. Sometimes I, I just want to throw, throw it all down, down and get lifted. <laughs> Everybody knows in my neighborhood <laughs> it's the bestest around. Samson shit is best. Got, Got the, the whole town on lockdown. Somebody send me that shit, please. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that fucking movie. Here's let me tell you something. The, so you. You did one of the best scenes of that movie. The be- the, the the second best scene, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is when Jim Brewer tells the story of Killer the Dog. <laughs> I lose my shit every time. That that'll come on when I'm seventy years old, and I'll see that part of that flick, was, and I will he, um, lose my mind. When he's saying like he was born to a three-legged like a bitch of a mother. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite um, my favorite Jim Brewer um, line in the whole movie is when. Um, he quits his job and then uh, he asks Jan yeah. to walk. He says, "Who's coming with me?" And Jan, Jan quits with him. him. Yeah, yeah, and then he says, uh, "Jan, you be my girlfriend." And she goes, uh, "I would, but I'm gay." <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, "What's that like?" Oh, what's that? 
which is a much different time. I would, which you I'm wonder gay. in yeah. today's time if that movie would you could even be say, yeah. you can't even say that now. Like, that well, I wonder. Be, do you like? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Actually, like if they played half baked now, like on uh, I don't know, like T, like TNT or something, oh. where it's on like seven o'clock at night or something. Like someone that. Finds, do you think someone, would, someone finds it offensive. Do you think they would censor that out? Of Absolutely. It? So, Absolutely. yeah, it's but it's it's funny, man, because like half baked, Happy Gilmore. Uh, I drop black sheep sheep lines all the time. Like, um, uh, you got some kick ass shit when he's up there <laughs> when he's doing the rock the vote thing, yeah. you know. And then he goes, "Kill Whitey, kill Whitey." You can't see any of that. Sh- you can't do shit any of that. Now. We are. In Is that a- why they don't know it? Is that why they? Because they're all all this. I just think stuff. I just think we're in such a PC world now. I mean, literally, I you have to watch what I have to watch what I say. Everywhere now. I mean, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm a very, yeah, yeah. I'm a, very, I mean, I work at a freaking alternative weekly for Pete's sake. Like yeah, I, yeah, yeah. pretty, pretty outspoken. But even that, like some things that you have to, you have to question. Like if we write this, or if we say this, or if we post this on social media, what's the potential there? You it's don't got, you don't got to tell me about that, it's man. It's just a different, a different climate, man. You, gotta, you were talking about earlier about how your black ass got laid off. My white, yeah. my white ass has been fired like three times from three <laughs> different jobs. So I'm, I know how it is. You know what time it is, yeah. right? So, um, okay, let's do, uh, what are we, we're at like 40 some minutes here. I like to do about an hour. So, uh, yeah. let me go through some questions here and let's see what we got. Cool. Um, oh, I got to get rid of the super fun sites thing here. Okay. Um, this is from Union Hulk. Just quickly, I'm sitting right below. I'm sitting. Your dog is at my feet right now, and I just want to take him home. He's Hands always, down, he's a good dog, man. The cutest dog I've ever seen. Baxter, do you have anything you want to say? Baxter, you want to say something? No, he's. I swear to God, man. Dave and I have been trying. It's like episode 89. <laughs> We've been trying to get him to talk for 88 episodes, and he still won't. But he's a good boy. Maybe next week. He's right, a good boy, Baxter. Maybe next week. Uh, Hulk says at the town hall, they said the Philadelphia Union spend about middle of the pack. Yeah. Are they comfortable with their cheapness now? Will there ever be new owners in the fold or will we be stuck with Boner McHelicopter for the rest of our days? Um, also, what is the thing that hangs from the back of your throat? What is that called? Your gullet? Your Well, your... that's like your th- that's like your whole throat, right? Yeah. Like when you swallow, but with the little dangly little thing, dangly. is there a name for that? I don't know. Is there a little dangly? Um, I'll look that up later. Yeah, Google that shit. But, um, and then Rick McGovern actually replies to Union Hulk. He says it's only the middle if you don't factor in transfer fees, if yeah. you consider those are the bottom, they're the bottom 25%. And he's right, because right. Fabian comes over on a free. Madunian comes over on yeah, free. free. I mean, like the most they've ever paid, I think. I mean, I don't Obviously, I don't have the books. I think Mboli was one of the, one of the, one of the their, their top did they pay for they him? Yeah, for, I guess they did. Yeah. Uh, they paid for Bedoya. They yep. paid for Sergio Santos. But I mean, like Atlanta was, was United. Was Carlos Ruiz free? He was a free. Yeah, yeah. Atlanta United because he was playing in Greece. Yeah, something like that. Greece. I want to say. Um, yeah. I'm going to write those two things down. I'm going to look them up at the end of the show here yep. and make sure we got them. Uh, Ru- where was Ruiz playing? Before playing before, and also what's <clears> the <throat> thing in the back of your throat? Um, so yeah, I mean that's a that's a misnomer generally because people always say like, well, you always complain about like the union are cheap and they're not cheap. They spend their salary list is in the middle of the pack, but it's not because because Atlanta's paying fifteen million dollar transfer fees. Right, union have never paid fifteen million in transfer fees total, total. like in their in their career, right. you know, so, so or in their existence. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but you can do that when you have a seventy thousand seat stadium that you can fill. I mean, Atlanta. Yeah. Atlanta is a complete anomaly. I mean, we we thought. Portland was a big deal. I know. When I lived down in Atlanta, man, I could have never. Well, they had a lot of soccer people down there. I played in the African soccer league oh. where the rules were like you were allowed to have like three white kids on your team. <laughs> so I was one of the white kids on Tanzania uh, FC. That's crazy. Um, Ezra says, thoughts on the new homegrown signing. I haven't I haven't um, seen him play yet. I got to yeah. watch the thing. Sorry, man. Uh, Ezra, formerly known as Bagel Bistro, not the Bagel Boss, uh, who will be fighting Lenny Dykstra soon. Um, David Bennett says, if Philly is five for five, then when will the local bars finally start putting the game on their TVs? Oh, that's a very Never, good question. Man. That's a fucking up. That's a battle, dude. I remember going down to like. I went to Good Dog one night and I asked yeah. them to put the Union game on. They were playing. The Phillies on five different TVs? Yeah. And it was like Heineken Rivalry Week. And I asked, I think the Union were playing like DC or some shit. And I said, can you put this game on? And people looked at me like I had five heads. It's just, again, 
in the city, they're know, just, it's, they're just still not a thing. They're just man. like completely oblivious that they even exist. I'm like, yeah. how, how is this possible? Like 10 years, 10 years ago. That's because they don't have a center city presence. No, they know? don't. Unless you count uh, Fang smashing cars on Locust. I mean, yeah. I guess that was a Would thing. Would you right? look at this shit? <laughs> uh, what's the guy's name? Bassmaster? The Bassmaster? Yeah. Um, Rich says, I don't think the union have a shot to get by LAFC this year. I don't either. Um, yeah. Is it possible with additions? That the union will be contenders to win MLS Cup next year. Um, I mean, I guess I still think they're a contender this year. So do I. I don't. So do I. I, I agree. I don't think they get by LAFC, um, but I, think I don't the, think that I don't think that means they're not a contender just because there's a. I think the playoffs are a different beast. I think you have teams in the East that are going to get hot, that are maybe too hot for the union. I mean, the the beauty of football is you have two legs, right? So you can play a team, lose, figure figure them the fuck out, and go to the, to the next. Well, leg. the union, yeah, the union opening a series at home. Oh, I, to God, do they even? What's the rule now? Are they opening on the road? Are they opening? At home? No, no. If they're the, if they finish as the top seed, they'd open on the road. They'd have a bye. And they'd and open. They play the first leg of the second round on the road. On the road, correct. Hmm. That's not so good for them. Yeah. Um, Ian says everybody has strong opinions about pro rel, but is there some level of concern with the rate? Um, at which new teams are being introduced to MLS. When is when are there too many teams? I mean, so St. Louis now is twenty eight, and then uh, then we think Sacramento is twenty nine. Is that yeah. where we're at? There's now? no there's it, it, if you're gonna go pro row, you got to cap it. And I say you probably get one more team, you cap it at thirty, right? But my thing is this: the USL is not doing a good enough job advocating for themselves. The USL over the past four or five years has had what? Can we count five or six teams? That have moved up into MLS ranks by virtue of just like they're on that level. Right? Cincinnati, Cincinnati, and Orlando. Uh, oh, I'm trying to think who else. Nashville. Yeah. So like all these teams are coming in and they're gonna they're gonna dominate. But the here's US the thing that you said. Advocate for themselves. You set up then. I, I th- this is inevitable because people always are up my ass because they're like, well, you say you like pro rel, but you don't think it could work. No, I, I mean it does work. Or it, it do- could work. But we're still so, like, nascent over here. So, like, for example, if the union went down to Division Two, I mean, there'd be, like, a thousand people in that stadium, yeah. and, like, they would collapse, you know. Sugarman would sell. Maybe somebody comes in and props them back up, but there's no parachute payment that's big enough to, to keep that whole thing going. But and you've also- seen shit, like, you see shit now, like Bolton Wanderers. Yeah. Or Barry, who like their owners don't do don't do the right thing. Getting relegated doesn't automatically mean that the owner's like, oh shit, I'm out. And then another rich guy comes in and pulls the team back up. Like sometimes these things like spiral down into bullshit. But I also think that it, it puts everyone on blast and everyone on notice. And that and then it does. It improves it does. one. Yeah. I think pro Rel Im- improves the quality of the game. Everyone's fighting to stay alive. One thing about it though is that one one thing here, as I say. It puts more. It does put more pressure on like sh- shitty cheap owners for sure. Right. Um, one thing I don't like about pro rel number one is that coaches get fired in like ten games before they can really do anything. Right. Um, the other that's thing. True. The other that's thing true. that's kind of a misnomer too is like you don't. People say, well, these players aren't motivated because they don't have <clears throat> anything to play for. Well, I mean, a lot of them are on like one year, two year, like non non guaranteed yeah. contracts. Exactly. Man, so they're fighting for a job. This people- is not like Zeke Elliott going to sign for like. 40 million yeah. guaranteed. People forget that the MLS minimum, you I mean, it's you got still, people that wow wow making more money than that. It's still so, low. Yeah. It's still low. So yeah. it's not that's the the pay isn't it. And I would definitely say that like that that would be a false statement if someone were to go that route. Big Mac says, how much are Ruiz and Valdez being paid to show up this weekend at <laughs> Alumni Weekend? Did you, like, dude, Dave and I were talking about this last week, man. Like, some of the guys that they invited back did not leave on the greatest of terms. No. Like, Ruiz, Mondragon, Valdez, the Baki Samari played, like, four games here. Like, people were, like, circulating all these, like, tax evasion rumors and bullshit with Carlos Ruiz. And, like, there was all kinds of, like, like they, they did not leave under circumstances that were, like, Thank you for your service. Yeah. Good luck, you know? I mean, I think, I, I guess the only one thing that you can hang your hat on, or that you can hang your hat on, is that, they, is that they've asked these guys back under completely different faces. So these guys are coming back to the same. They're not coming back to, you know, the Peter Novaks, the Nick <laughs> Sikeviches. It is, it is. The, a, yeah, yeah, the Dave Rones of the world. They're coming back to guys they've never met. Uh, but they have like Tony. They got like faces. Tony. Tony Stahl coming back. Right. Do play like one game. One game. <laughs> Listen, someone. Someone said, "Open up, up the book, call everybody, and see who wants to come yeah, through." Just get. Just I'll yeah. make it an open thing. Well, it's, so, it's a, but it's a good idea. I just yeah. think it's weird. Some of the people they ended up like. I mean, like you wouldn't like 
if you were the um, Tony Stahl, that that's a name I will never forget. Like the Eagles, the Eagles aren't like inviting Patrick Chung, no fucking Patrick, alumni week. Exactly. You know what I mean? So yeah, because um, he was here for a hot minute, but, right? Um, Matt Thornton, uh, who came up with the name for this podcast, says if you had to choose. Uh, a, would you go to the same Jersey Shore spot for every vacation of your life? Or B, be a Cowboys, Lakers, Man City, and Yankee fan? I would go to the same Shore spot every fucking year. <laughs> right, because it's still vacation. So vacation. Like, even if you go into like uh, Kensington by the sea for... Wildwood Heights? Wildwood Heights? You ever heard that one? Yeah. North Wildwood. <laughs> Um, uh, uh, Brigantine Beach. Uh, no, because no, I, yeah, I mean, I would rather go to vacation the same place over and over instead of being a poser. Yeah, you, know, so. you couldn't pay me to be a Cowboys fan, dog. I'm sorry, I've, I lived here way too long. Yeah. I will say, and I think I've said this before, but the Cowboys fans in Texas, me, my dad, and I started this new tradition where every year we're gonna go do a Big Twelve road game. Yeah. So last year we until we do all of them, right? So even though the Big Twelve only has fucking ten teams, to so go figure. Mm. The Big Ten has twelve teams. So yeah. There's your uh, little <laughs> trivia for the day. But uh, so we went to Texas last year in Austin, and we were sitting in, the, in a section with Texas fans, and a lot of them were Dallas Cowboy fans, and they were like the nicest fucking people on the planet, yeah. and they're like really knowledgeable too, and they all knew it, and they're just like they're like, dude, we dislike um, poser front runner fans from the Northeast as much anyway, as you guys are. Yeah. They ain't from here. They're not from Texas. They didn't grow up here. Like, One of the things that I was actually told from someone is that if you go to a Cowboys game. They don't look at the Eagles as their bitter rival. They don't. So like don't. us here, we I mean, I I see that star and like I literally get like hot. Like yeah. I'm pissed off. But now I understand it because down there they don't have front runner like Philadelphia exactly. Eagle fans running around. Up here it's different for us. We, where we hate the like Yeah, the some local cat from West Philly chooses to be a Dallas Cowboys fan yeah. because he loved Troy Aikman back when he was a kid. It's oh, like, yeah. It's like my fuck? my mom uh, went to, like, Misericordia College with Nate Newton's, like, <laughs> brother, brother-in-law. So now I love the Cowboys. And I've been a fan for life. You yeah. Know? Like, the, the fuck, fuck out of here, The dude. fuck off. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Uh, let me see here. And now a reading from the book of Kincaid. Oh, Kevin wants a juicy story. Well, Kareem's still on the non, uh, the NDA, so I, we can't do any. I do a little juice. I can say something without getting. Well, let's do th- this. We'll do this one because this one won't get us in trouble. This is a good one. All right. Um, let's tell the story about the time where you were working for the team, and I had quit, and I was in my first year with Voice. Yeah. And um, Nick wanted to meet up with me, um, just to talk, to sit down, and talk, or whatever the hell. And he he showed up an hour late. Oh, that's right. Because he forgot about it. kept me on the hook. (laughs) So then Nick calls me and told me to feed you a line of bullshit about his whereabouts until he could (laughs) get with you. So I'm on the phone telling you stone cold lies about like, I don't even remember. I don't even remember, but like. Nick, so sorry. You said he, he got stuck. Like he got stuck, stuck in traffic. traffic. I'm like, there's no traffic in Malvern. Yeah, at like, like 9 there's o'clock no traffic Malvern. in Wayne at fucking yeah. 4 p.m. Like, yeah, yeah. and like you could tell it was bullshit. You could tell I had to just like, and that was the worst part of the job. But I went into it. Expe- I went into it expecting no bullshit. So happen. I was like, so I was like three Jack and Cokes in by the time he got there, and then he drank like three Stellas right away. And I think we were both like buzzed out of our mind just talking about like anything and everything. But yeah, you had to be like. The conduit, the conduit, unfortunately, yeah. of, of the, a lot of the bullshit. It was the worst. Yeah. It was worse. I, I will also tell this story, too, because this one gets us in trouble. But one of the greatest things about playing with the, or about working for the union was the time that you and I said, fuck it, we're going to go to Montreal. And we got in your, in your, in your Ford Ranger and drove nine hours to Montreal. The team didn't pay us for shit because at yeah. the time that that was the team. But yeah. we wanted to give the fans, you know, a road experience. And, so what they did give us was actual like lodging, which was great. Thank you for that. Yeah, we're in a nice hotel. Yeah, exactly. But we, I remember going down to get breakfast or get dinner or breakfast one one morning. No, it was breakfast. The breakfast. Next morning. Yeah. And we saw Nick. Yeah. In the uh, breakfast his, facility, he had his hair like all slick, all back, slick like, very back. Like, Italian. Yeah, an expensive well. bottle of wine at like nine a.m. Like, what, you're gonna pop a bottle right now? This is yeah. this is insane. Just like in the restaurant, like doing his own thing, and I was just like, "This guy is <laughs> ridiculous on levels but I can I, only hope to get to right I always, now." Like I always said, like 
when I had Nick one on one, or when we were just texting back and forth or whatever, not um, a bad guy, right? Like he was a straight up dude, man. Yeah. I'm like, and I told him that straight to his face when we were sitting there. When he finally showed up at that thing, like yeah. an hour later, I'm like, Nick, like this that I'm this Nick that I'm getting here, just you and me, just like no frills, no nonsense. Like, how do I get that? Yeah. To, to, to be like the, your public face, yeah. you know, like, how do I get you to be that? And he's like, well, you know, you got to put on a, he said straight up, he's like, you know, you, I got to be the face of the ownership group. You know, you have to like, sort of be this kind of figure. You have to be, go to bat for these guys. But you I'm don't, like, I'm like, you do he but never recognize the pulse of the city. Right. And right, I right. think that if Nick was just fucking honest and look, we don't have money like that. Like this is a, a lot of this is dog and pony, but we're getting there. Mm-hmm. I think fans would have realized just, that. Honest just about honest about that, it. And like, yeah. look, we don't yeah. got it right now, but I promise you, like, we are grinding to get to that point. People would have been like, you know what? All right, I feel you. Like, like, what can we do to help? When you come off like this holier than thou, like, oh, I put the fucking team on my credit card bullshit. Like, anybody trying to hear that? That shit? doesn't resonate. With doesn't this resonate guy, with, with Philly kind of person, at all, and no. he yeah. never recognized that until the end. Philadelphia people would rather have honest bullshit than like fake pandering up their it ass. It was pandering. You know I mean? And yeah. it was, yeah. I, I mean, I, there were times when I would sit back and listen to press conferences and be like, wow, like this is, this is wild. And you know, I'm not going to get into specifics, but like it's a, it's, it's a much, the feeling, even when I go to games now as a fan, the feeling is a lot better now than it was when I and was And look, there. man, I, like you ask a lot of the sons of Ben, like the original guys, you ask like Brian and Corey and those dudes and like they'll, they'll, always like stick up for Nick because he was good to them when the sons of Ben were coming up and he like was the guy who he's got the guy who thing if it wasn't like, that for, is indisputable it would I mean? not be here without him he just Absolutely. I think that the if I could boil Nick down to one like line it would be that I I know I don't think Nick ever did enough to help himself no to help his own cause you know and that's you know, I could sit here and say that to him a hundred times. Like, why don't I see this side of you? Why don't I see this side of you? But it was just never, you can never get through. Yeah. To it. But I mean, he's doing well with the, with the lacrosse league now, which is, which is cool to see. So. Yeah. It's great that he's working for another irrelevant uh, team. That's great. Um, <laughs> let me see. I'm going to go through. Okay. I'm going to uh, do one more here. Um, okay. So last week I was asking somebody to explain why the hell the stupid thing with the A happens. Like why, why do British people say that? Cause it, cause uh, American English, we don't say it that way, but right. in Australian English they do, yep. and in British English they do. So Sean, Lu- I asked if there's any linguists who listen to the podcast, and Sean Luther says it's called an intrusive R. Ooh. So simply put, adding an R to the end of a word that ends with a vowel or sounds like it ends in a vowel uh, when the following word starts with a vowel. Uh, people doing this would say like a man from Florida. Right. is arrested florida because it's because the word the the word ends in a and the next word begins in a but see i've seen i've seen it i've seen the r implemented in the middle of words where there's an a so like for instance my girlfriend's mom doesn't say she's gonna wash her clothes she says she's gonna wash her clothes she's gonna wash well that's a different thing though entirely right because isn't that just like a specific dialect for where is she where is she from michigan Okay, that's like a Midwest. Isn't that a Midwest thing? Because okay. they used to say that in West Virginia too, right. where like you get you cross over, you get that Pittsburgh, West Virginia, Ohio, like it all starts there. Yeah, they would say like uh, they would remove the words, um, oh la 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 to to be. Okay, they would remove the words to be. So like they would say, um, okay, I'm looking at a guitar. I'm looking at my guitars right here. Yep, I would say this guitar needs to be restrung right right in west virginia midwest they'd say this guitar needs restrung yeah. restrunged oh, it's just going this on. floor needs vacuum you know need, they'd say vacuumed. shit like that but oh, that's okay. where like it's weird because that's where i didn't see like like i go up and down like the northeast corridor and like you know boston and new york have their accents and stuff but they don't have a lot of different you know word like substitutive words for things like yeah. in west virginia they call so lollipop a like a sucker thing, yeah. man they call like they they yeah you know, they so say does pop, pop there and shit you know hoagies so, or subs so that's yeah. what it is it's an intrusive r um i hope the podcast wasn't too intrusive Kreeth, thanks for coming on my man this i can't fantastic. believe it took, i can't believe it it's took about like motherfucking time I, I was glad we were able to um share a half-baked 
uh, line on there. Is Appreciate there, that. if there's any other, were there any other half baked scenes that you wanted to shout out? At least just acknowledge where you're here. When life is hard, I pick up that car with the smiley face, <laughs> call him over to my place. Maybe that'll be the title of the podcast. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm sorry. Before we close this off, there was two, um, two questions that I wrote down that I said we were going to, um, we were going to answer here. Yep. Uh, Carlos Ruiz, oh, not the baseball catcher, not Chooch. Uh, Carlos Ruiz soccer. He was playing. I want to say he was playing in FC Dallas, but then I think he went over to play for Aris. Aris. That sounds right, actually. Uh, okay, let me see. Uh, I'll go through the whole thing. Municipal, uh, PAS, LA Galaxy, FC Dallas, LA Galaxy, Toronto, mm-hmm. Olympia, Olympia, Puebla, and then Aris. Yeah, yeah he went to yeah, Aris, Aris in Greece. Which yep. who? Uh, here's a trivia question. What other Philadelphia Union player played at Aris? That's a great question, and I should know this. He also played for DC United. Oh, gosh. Uh, Freddie Fred. Adu was the guy, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to type. I'm holding the microphone in one hand. I'm going to type in dangly thing. In the back of your throat. In throat. Um, this is for Union Hulk. I don't know why I'm doing this. Next time you have me on the podcast, I think I have Freddie Do's cell number, if I still his number on my phone. You have Freddie's cell phone Let's number? call him. Let's call him live. Fuck the- <laughs> <Like> it. <laughs> Let's just call Freddie Adu real quick, yeah. see what he says. On the next episode of The Howard Stern Show with Baba Booey. <laughs> okay, the hangy ball's full name is the Palatine Uvula. 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 Is that how you say it? Uvula. Is that what you go like, whoa, yeah. Like it's in the back of your throat that, there. That, in the back of your throat. Um, listen, man, it was fun. Uh, I'll get you it's on great. some other time for sure. Sounds and uh, when your non-disclosure John ends, we'll write the book. That's, and uh, I'm down. Maybe one of these is I always joke because I'm like, I'm never going to write the fuck. Like, when the fuck am I ever going to write the book? I write like I've already written 2,400 articles for Crossing Broad in like 23 months. Yeah. When am I going to write a fucking book and who's going to read it? Um, so I thought maybe I'd do like an audio book on here. Maybe like once every other month I would like tell a story or some something yeah. like that so i don't know maybe i'll do that instead but uh either way man i appreciate it and uh we'll do it again for kareeth kareeth you can follow him uh on twitter it's at sports writer it's s-p-r-t-s-w-t-r yep no vowels in sports writer no and you'll find me no uh in- intrusive r there uh no intrusive labrador uh with baxter here he was very nice this baxter say good night For Baxter and Kareeth, I'm Kevin Kincaid from Crossing Broad. We will see you next time. Right near the beach. Bye.